This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call, the eighth day of April 2022, the day after baseball opening day. And uh, about half the teams got started. Well, not even half, less than half the teams. And everybody else is going to get it uh, cranked up today. Uh, Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees, 1 o'clock this afternoon. Obviously can't wait for that. So opening day, and Tiger Woods uh, steals the thunder from baseball's opening day. Uh, all anybody wanted to talk about yesterday was Tiger. Look, I you know as much as I love baseball, I mean, I was riveted to uh, Tiger Woods' performance yesterday as well. And... Uh, you know, look, I, you know, maybe maybe calling it a miracle is uh, hyperbole going a little bit over the top. But the fact that this guy damn near died 14 months ago and was lucky that uh, he can still walk, let alone play golf and ends up at uh, one under par, a 71 in 10th place through round number one uh, and, <clears throat> you know, is remarkable. Remarkable, maybe not a miracle, but it's still remarkable. Um, and and I think what was was I think surprised a lot of people is you're watching him walk around the course, and there was barely even a hint of a limp. Every now and then you'd see it. Uh, I guess the biggest adjustment that he had to make is he can't squat down the way he did um, to read putts on the green, and had to uh, rely on his uh, caddy Joey Lacava a little bit more to do that. Um, but it didn't seem to hurt him, you know, uh, knocked home a, what a 30 foot birdie putt on 16. And I was watching that and, uh, my wife and uh, her best friend, Ann were here and I said, there's no way in hell he's making this. And he just drained it right in the middle of the hole, gave the old fist pump, um, made a great save on the 18th hole, uh, when he hit his first, uh, his tee shot on the 18th hole and it went way left, uh, and uh, wound up saving par to stay at one under par. I just, you know, I guess you could, you don't count anything out. Uh, Tiger, you know, and at the end he goes, he says, to end up in the red, he said, I'm right where I need to be, you know. And he said before the tournament, do you think you can win this? And, they, and he said, yep. <laughs> and he said, I don't enter tournaments that I don't think I have a chance to win. Well, here he is. Um, you know, now – Sunjay M was actually the leader of the Masters. You wouldn't know it based on all the coverage, you know. As a you know, you, it, and and Ann made a comment last night. And she said, you know, there's there's you know a bunch of other golfers out there, and nobody's talking about them. All they want to talk about is Tiger. Sunjay M five under par through the first round. Uh, Cameron Smith, uh, who at one point was six under par, double bogeyed the 18th hole to finish four under. Danny Willett at three under. Uh, 
Uh, Joaquin Neumann is at uh, three under. Scotty Scheffler, three under. Dustin Johnson, a good first round at three under. Um, so there's other storylines out there, but nobody cares. All anybody cares about is Tiger. And, and look, you know, the other uh, the thing I thought about yesterday, and, and this has been said, I'm not, it's not an original thought, but there is not one golfer out there, not one of them. You know, I don't care whether, you know, it, where you are on the leaderboard, there is not one golfer that can say a bad word about Tiger Woods. Look, you can say whatever you want about, you know, while well, he's super competitive, you know, unless you're his buddy, he's not going to give you any tips. And But at the end of the day, if it weren't for Tiger Woods, the PGA Tour would not be what it is today. Tiger Woods single-handedly put money into the pockets of all these professional golfers. The purses are through the roof. You know, the, the, the total purse for a, a golf tournament now versus what it was prior to Tiger Woods, there's no, uh, it's not a coincidence. It, it's not because, oh, we have inflation and what, everything goes up. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with Tiger Woods moving the needle in the golf world. If Tiger Woods is in a tournament, you know that the crowds are probably going to be damn near twice as big as they would be without him there. And it has opened the eyes to a lot of people about the game of golf. Uh, again, my wife's friend, Ann, she said, I didn't give a crap about golf until Tiger Woods. And then he becomes, uh, you know, must-watch TV. You know, and, he, you know, perhaps everything that he has gone through in his life in the past several years with the, uh, you know, the issue with the uh, the divorce and the, the whole cheating scandal, uh, you know, on his wife and the substance abuse issues, whether it's alcohol or pills or whatever it was, you know, pain medication because of all the surgeries he's had, you know, all that, you know, makes it even more compelling. And every time you're ready to count this guy out because, oh, my God, it's, you know, it's this, it's that, it's the other thing. Every time you say well, he just, there's no way that he's going to be able to come back from this. How, you know how can he? How can he focus? He does it. You know, and that victory he had in the Masters back in 2019, uh, nobody saw that coming. And if he wins this week, he will become the oldest Masters champion in PGA Tour history, and he will become. Well, he's already a legend, but he will become. Uh, something that people will talk about forever. St people still talk about Jack Nicklaus winning the Masters at age 46 back in 1986. I was 26 years old at the time watching that, and it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen, a guy that was 40. And, you know, and back then, you know, older golfers didn't win. You know, you, you see guys on the, in, on the tour now in their 40s winning golf tournaments. Back then, that wasn't very common. And you, why? Well, because the equipment now makes it much easier for older golfers to win. If they had to play with the equipment that Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer and Sam Snead and those guys played with back then, it wouldn't be the same. But the equipment makes it easier for older older guys to compete. The, the you know not just the clubs, but the the balls as well. Um, it makes a big difference, which is why, you know, I still say Jack Nicklaus is the greatest golfer of all time to take nothing away from Tiger Woods, what he has done, but it's, it's, it's not the same. The equipment is so much different, you know, uh, look in baseball, the bats are the same as they were 150 years ago, by and large, 
right? The baseball is, is you know, I mean, of course, they tinker with it, but the ball has essentially been the same for the last, oh, 100 years, you know? Uh, so it, it's easier to me to compare uh, eras in baseball. In golf, you know, you can say, well, you know, he's he's chasing Jack Nicklaus's uh, uh, record for majors or, you know, uh, Sam Snead's total wins on the PGA Tour, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, Tiger Woods was assisted by equipment. It's not to take anything away. It's not that he's not a great golfer. But you wonder if Jack Nicklaus had been able to play at his age or in his prime with the equipment that Tiger Woods plays with now, how much more could Jack have done? You really wonder. You know? Uh, so anyway, but it, it, great story. Um he tees off this afternoon at one fourteen. So, and that was the frustrating part. Yesterday, he teed off at eleven o'clock in the morning. There wasn't live coverage until three o'clock in the afternoon. So you saw bits and pieces on ESPN, but you, you know, and a golf the golf channel was on, but they're not allowed to show anything, obviously, because they don't have the rights. Uh, and the Masters controls, you know, everything, and they let they tell the networks what they can and cannot show. So we saw bits and pieces of Tiger's game. So uh, now you'll be able to see everything uh, today starting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, it's going to be tough. It, the remote control uh, finger is going to be busy today because, of course, the Red Sox and the Yankees at 1 o'clock uh, as well. So they'll be starting to play about the same time Tiger tees off. So, uh, But great story. Um, I, you know, can he do it for four rounds? I, you know, who knows? Uh as he said yesterday, you know, they, they said, okay, well, what's, you know, what, what now after today? And he said, lots of ice, you know, and, and this, that's going to be the tale. Can he do it for four days in a row? Yes. He's played some practice rounds. A lot of times it's been nine at a time, but this, now he has to play 18 holes for four straight days, you know, and that is a very hilly course. And can he, can he do it for four straight days? You know, I mean, at this point, I hope so. But even if he can't, even if after the second day or the third day, he just sees in so much pain and he says, I can't do it anymore. The fact that he is even out there for day one and the fact that he performed as well as he did is miraculous. And uh, I just I hope he I hope he does it. Look, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't rooting for the guy. You know, there's no question. Uh, and, and, you know, and some of it's because he's older, some of it's just because it's a great story, but as, uh, as athletes get older and we get older, I find myself rooting for the older guys a lot more. How can you not? It's, it's like, uh, you watch them and you say, well, you know, it's kind of a turn back the clock kind of thing. And we all wish we could turn back the clock. When I was outside working on my garden, you know, the last several days and working myself to the point where I was, I felt like I was going to pass out, you know, and something that I could have done 20 years ago and I could have, you know, not been as gassed as I was when I finished, you know, at the end of the day, I was wishing, God, you know, I just, you know, my mind thinks I'm 40, but my body just doesn't let me do it anymore. And so you see a guy like Tiger getting old and, and, and it makes you, you know, root for him because you know what that's like. You know what it's like to get older and we all would like to have the opportunity to turn back the clock and we don't get that chance. But for Tiger Woods, at least uh, for yesterday, he turned back the clock and reminded us all how great this guy can be and just what a compelling story uh, he can be as well. So 
Uh, I hope he wins, and we'll look, obviously we'll have plenty more about that coming up uh, on Monday. All right, so baseball finally got started yesterday, and, man, I'll tell you what, how, how great was that? Um, I spent a lot of time uh, yesterday, uh, the first game that uh, I really watched a lot of as I watched the Cardinals uh, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, and uh, uh, it was not much of a game. As Craig Calcaterra pointed out in his uh, uh, Cup of Coffee blog this morning, 9 nothing was the final score as the, the Cardinals win. Uh, 9 to nothing, by the way, is the same score uh, that you get if you forfeit a game. Right. If you don't show up and you forfeit the game, the other team wins it nine to nothing. Well, that's what the Pirates did yesterday. They barely showed up. Uh, they did have six hits, but uh, uh, look, it's going to be a long year for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you know, considering what their payroll is, that's not a shock. Now, some financial news yesterday for the Pittsburgh Pirates: they signed their young star, Key Brian Hayes, to a huge extension, an eight-year deal. Now, what's amazing about this is, you know, look, Hayes is uh, a young star. Everybody is it thinks that he's got a very high ceiling. The Pirates don't have a lot of money, and yet here's Key Brian Hayes, who has the opportunity to perhaps be a special player. He's only 25 years old. Uh, young third baseman made his debut last year. Or, excuse me, made his debut in 2020. Uh, got a cup of coffee, and then in 2021. Last year, look, you know, did he set the world on fire? No, but he still hit two fifty seven. Uh, this is a guy that uh, great athlete and uh, maybe strikes out a little bit too much, but has a pretty good eye. Um, had an OPS of, uh, uh, you know, over 700. Wasn't great. But when he made his debut in 2020, he set the world on fire and showed people what he can be. He signed a deal yesterday, eight years 70 million bucks. So a little less than $9 million a year that is going to take him through the 2029 season with a, with a club option for 2030. So he has signed a deal that now I don't, we don't have all the details, but you know, unless there's an opt out in there somewhere, he is basically given away his prime years to the Pittsburgh Pirates for just nine million bucks a year. Now, look, nobody's going to be crying for him because nine billion bucks a year is a lot of money. Um, but it's curious, you know, when the you see the Red Sox going through things with their young players like uh, Rafi Devers, who's twenty five years old, and the Red Sox offered him a contract extension and he turned it down, and it was uh, reportedly somewhere in the vicinity of twenty five million dollars a year, and Rafi Devers turned that down betting on himself basically that, Hey, you know, I'm worth more than that. And, uh, uh, if they, the Red Sox are going to have to pony up. Well, if you're key Brian Hayes, you're not betting on yourself. You're almost saying, well, I, you know, it's almost like he, maybe he thought he had a disappointing year last year and he says, well, this is maybe the best I can do. And I'm going to take the money while I can, I, you know, and look for a lot of these young players that come from nothing, it's hard to, uh, argue with them when they do that. But it's just uh, it's interesting. I thought that they got him for such a an inexpensive price. I, I know inexpensive, nine million bucks a year. We should all be that inexpensive. Uh, but anyway, as far as the game goes yesterday, just a total blowout. Adam Wainwright was great. Uh, six scoreless innings. Tyler O'Neill drove in five of the nine runs. Uh, a couple of uh, 
Uh, older guys, Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, both in the lineup for the Cardinals. Albert went 0 for 5, um, but got uh, a huge standing ovation in his first at bat. Over a minute, tipped his cap to the crowd. Everybody glad to have him back. Uh, I think he's got. They're going to platoon him, and he generally tears up left-handed pitching. So uh, I think that he's got a chance to have a, a pretty good year on his way out. I hope he does. Uh, Yadi Molina threw out a guy uh, trying to steal second. So uh, it was uh, a, a total effort for the Cardinals. Great win. Uh, Arenado, uh, Tommy Edmond also with home runs for the Cardinals. So an absolute blowout there. Uh, the other game, I did not watch much of this one. I watched a little bit of it. But uh, the Cubs beat the Brewers 5-4. Uh, Ian Happ, three hits, including a two-run double in the seventh inning. Uh, old Red Sox uh, f- friend Andrew Benintendi with an RBI single in this one as well. And the Cubs beat Corbin Burns. Their ace, uh, Cy Young Award winner, uh, he wasn't terrible, but uh, five innings, four hits, three runs, but he walked three guys. Um, Hendricks was great for Chicago, pitched into the sixth inning, five and a third, gave up just one run on five hits. He struck out seven. Uh, and then the bullpen does a pretty good job for the uh, White Sox. And uh, uh, David Robertson, back in Major League Baseball, picks up uh, his first save in uh, a few years uh, gives up uh, one hit, strikes out a guy, and uh, gets the save in the ninth inning. Uh, and the Chicago Cubs start things off on the right way. Uh, Nico Horner, the first home run of the season for the Chicago Cubs in that one. Uh, so the Brewers, uh, the favorites by a lot of, in a lot of people's eyes to win the National League Central. They are the defending champs. I still think the Cardinals are going to win it, as I've said. Uh, but uh, they will play again this afternoon. Weather permitting, because there's a forecast uh, in Chicago is for a wintry mix this afternoon. That should be fun. Uh, Brandon Woodruff scheduled to take the mound for the Brewers. It'll be Justin Steele, the uh, lefty for the Cubs, uh, this afternoon. Again, uh, weather permitting, so keep your eyes on that. It hasn't been it hasn't been postponed yet, but uh, uh, we've got our eyes on the sky. There's a few places that uh, the weather just not very good. Uh, the Brewers also made a trade. Uh, we didn't talk about it yesterday, but they picked up Victor Caratini from the uh, San Diego Padres to fill the hole that was left when their <laughs> their backup catcher got uh, himself suspended. Pedro Severino got suspended for 80 games uh, with the uh, positive drug test, so uh, they pick up Victor Caratini from the San Diego Padres. He did play in yesterday's game, one at bat, and he doubled, uh, so a good debut, but uh, the uh, – the Brewers still lose that game. Uh, then I watched the Mets last night. Um, and, you know, you look at the Mets and you're like, Tyler McGill, that's the guy that they're sending out for opening day because Max Scherzer had tweaked that hamstring. He wasn't ready for opening day. Uh, of course, Jacob deGrom on the injured list. So who the hell is you going to go to? So Tyler McGill uh, gets the start. And he said before the game, I'm just going to treat it like any other game. Well, he... Uh, they hope that that's any other game is what they get all the time from Tyler McGill. Five innings, no runs, gave up just three hits, struck out six, did not walk anybody. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that. And I'll tell you what, he, the kid showed some onions yesterday. He was in trouble. Runners on the corners, one out in the third inning. Uh, Juan Soto and Nelson Cruz scheduled to come up. He strikes out uh, Soto on a 98-mile-an-hour fastball upstairs, and then he gets Nelson Cruz to ground out on a 2-0 pitch, and he gets out of trouble. And uh, good for him. Uh, 
you know, young kid uh, didn't have great numbers. You looked at his numbers from last year, an ERA of almost five, uh, but a great way to get out of trouble in that one. Uh, throws just 68 pitches in five innings, and then the bullpen does a pretty good job. Adovino, Lugo, and Diaz uh, close it out with three scoreless innings. Patrick Corbin got the start for the Washington Nationals, uh, went the first four. Um, this is a very bad Nationals team. Now, you look at the line, look. Uh, Juan Soto, we all know how good he can be. Nelson Cruz, I mean, he's 41, 42 years old, uh, still has some pop in the bat. But you look at this lineup, and Alcides Escobar, a kind of a you know a reject from the uh, Kansas City Royals. Now, look, it's a guy that's won a Gold Glove, but that was eight years ago. Uh, Mikhail Franco, who's a former Philadelphia Philly, I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. Uh, Robles playing center field, young kid, didn't have much of a back pretty good defensive player but uh, does not appear to be much of a hitter right now uh you know but so after the first three or four guys in that lineup they got nothing and you know with steven strasburg on the injured list god knows what he's going to be able to give him anymore because he can't seem to seem to stay healthy uh he's coming back from uh, surgery um this is going to be a very very bad washington nationals team they may struggle to stay ahead of the miami marlins in this division um, this afternoon, it'll be Max Scherzer making his first appearance for the Mets. Uh, Josiah Gray, who came over from the Dodgers in the trade that brought Scherzer to the Nationals or to the Dodgers last year, uh, will start for the Nationals. Nice touch, by the way, by the Nationals yesterday in pregame, uh, paying tribute to Max Scherzer and everything he did for that Nationals franchise. And that may have been, by the way, the longest pregame ceremony in history. Good Lord. They introduced everybody but me uh, in the in the pregame. It was brutal. And Gary Cohen, the play-by-play guy for the New York Mets, summed it up pretty well. Uh, as soon as it was over, I mean, they said nothing. They let the whole thing go. And then as soon as it was over, Gary Cohen goes, well, that was thorough. <laughs> it was a little bit over the top, especially for a team. That won nothing last year and is going to win nothing this year. But you know what? Give them their moment in the sun. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was uh, thorough. That's a good way to put it. We're going to take a break. It's 28 minutes past the hour. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning. So the uh, – World champion Atlanta Braves had an opportunity to open the season at home against the Cincinnati Reds, a Reds team that has uh, shipped off a lot of their players uh, as well. Uh, thought it was going to be a slam dunk for the Braves. I think a lot of Braves fans felt that way as uh, well. Uh, not so much. The Cincinnati Reds take down the Braves on opening day 6-3. The Reds, six runs on ten hits. The Atlanta Braves managed just four hits in this game, and three of them, three of them uh, were by Austin Riley, including uh, uh, a, a two-run home run in the eighth inning to try to a couple of, a couple of consolation runs because they were down 6-1 to one at the time, uh, but just a dominating effort uh, by the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Tyler Molly gets the start, gives up uh, no earned runs, gave up one run, but it was unearned in five innings, just three hits. He struck out seven, walked two. Uh, uh, Max Freed got the start for Atlanta. There was some discussion whether it was going to be Freed, whether it was going to be Charlie Morton to get the start. Uh, Freed got roughed up five and two-thirds, eight hits, five runs, struck out five, walked one. 
his line was made a little bit worse. Uh, he got in some trouble in the sixth inning. Uh, a couple of men on. They pull him. Uh, they bring in Colin McHugh out of the bullpen, and he proceeds to give up a three-run bomb <laughs> uh, to Brandon Drury uh, with two on and two outs in the sixth inning, which blew the game open. Um, Tyler Thornburg pitched a scoreless inning, struck out a couple. Uh, Thornburg, a guy that uh, the Red Sox, remember, had traded for from the Milwaukee Brewers years ago and uh, injuries and control problems and everything else. And uh, Tyler Thornburg kind of making a return to baseball, so good for him. Uh, but the Braves get uh, drilled uh, in game number one uh, by a final of 6-3. to three. Look, it's one game. I know we can't get two, but everybody loses their minds when, when you lose. Uh, you just have to remember there's 161 more. Uh, but uh, you're watching the uh, uh, the coverage on the Atlanta news stations last night because that's what I get uh, uh, down here since I'm on the Georgia border. And, oh, my God, it was just people – we're losing their ever-loving minds. But uh, Austin Riley, a great start for Atlanta despite everything. Look, Riley, you know, he's, it's funny. Everybody talks about this this Atlanta team and Dansby Swanson and Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies. They get all this attention. You know, everybody forgets or a lot of people forget that Austin Riley, what a uh, what a season last year. I mean, it was this is, was his third year, uh, his first full year. 33 homers, 107 runs batted in last year and picking up right where he left off. Uh, with a, a a blast yesterday, and uh, he is uh, that Atlanta team's loaded. I that's why I I still think uh, they easily win the National League East. Um, I'm not sure they've got enough uh, to get into uh, to, to get past either the Padres or the Dodgers. I I still think those are the two are the class of the National League. Uh, but uh, that Atlanta Braves team is still going to win more than they lose. So relax uh, and. Uh, uh, get off the ledge, uh, Braves fans. It's going to be fine. Uh, the Houston Astros with a win yesterday. Uh, they beat the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and Shohei Otani uh, 3-1. to one. Um, Shohei Otani struck out nine in four and two-thirds innings. Uh, they yanked him uh, after 80 pitches. Uh, he stayed in, obviously. He's a designated hitter because of that uh, new rule. But look, um, there's no, uh, you know, I don't, you almost kind of get tired of this, but everybody talks about how great Shohei Otani is, how great Mike Trout is, and, you know, it, it'll be like, uh, you know, and th- they do these remarkable things, and then, but at the end of the lead, it's like, oh, but they lost. You know, Mike Trout last night, with you know, goes one for three. Shohei Otani with that great performance on the mound. Now, he went 0 for 4 at the plate. Uh, Anthony Rendon, uh, you know, played pretty well last night. Hopefully he stays healthy. But it's it's it seems like all the time, you, you know, it's like Trout did this, Otani did this, but they still lose. And I think there's still going to be a lot of that this year. But I still – I think they've made enough improvements in that pitching staff where they're going to be okay. But Framber Valdez last night pitches six and two-thirds innings on opening day, uh, only through 84 pitches. That's why he went as far as he did because most starters uh, were, you know, in, in that abbreviated spring training, got up to around 80. And he was at 84 pitches, six, struck out six, walked one, only gave up two hits to the Angels. Uh, and then Ryan Presley, uh, who just signed a contract extension with the uh, Astros, picks up his first save of the season. Uh, Jose Altuve. Got struck out three times last night. Uh, 
Shohei Otani owned him. Uh, but uh, uh, the Astros with eight hits. Uh, Michael Brantley had a couple of hits. Alex Bregman uh, had two hits, including a, uh, a solo home run off of Ryan Tapera. Uh, and then uh, Alvarez also with a home run in this game. And the Houston Astros pick up where they left off last year, and they beat the Los Angeles Angels by a final of 3-1. to one. Uh, The Kansas City Royals played the uh, Cleveland Guardians. I still, I'm gonna, ha- I still have trouble with that. Uh, but the Royals sent out Zach Greinke, and Zach Greinke was great. I tell you what, I love watching Zach Greinke pitch. Why? Because in this day and age, a guy's going out and throwing, you know, hundred mile an hour gas all the time, and you know these wicked sliders and everything else. I love watching a guy like Zach Greinke pitch because it's about pitching. He doesn't have the velocity anymore, and he throws like a a 69-mile-an-hour curveball. I mean, he is just fun to watch. Five and two-thirds yesterday, one run, five hits, and only struck out one. He's not going to strike out a lot of guys anymore because he doesn't have that fastball that he had when he was younger. But he only walked one, and he kept the Royals in the game. I mean, and, you know, he matched – uh, pitch for pitch with Shane Bieber, the former uh, Cy Young Award winner. Bieber goes four and two-thirds yesterday. Uh, three hits, one run, struck out four, didn't walk anybody. Uh, threw 72 pitches. They got him out early. You know, we're going to see a lot of that early in the season where starters aren't going to go five innings because, you know, they're trying to uh, keep the uh, uh, the pitch count down and make sure you've got these guys for later in the season. But then uh, the Kansas City Royals come back to win on opening day uh, as they get to Tristan McKenzie for uh, a couple of runs uh, in the ninth inning. McKenzie pitched three innings out of the bullpen uh, for the Guardians. But it was the new kid, Bobby Witt Jr., the hero for the Kansas City Royals. He comes up with an RBI double uh, in the uh, eighth inning. Andrew Benintendi drives him home, uh, and the uh, Kansas City Royals beat the Guardians uh, 3-1, to one, despite the fact that the Guardians had seven hits. They actually out-hit the Royals 7-5. to five. Uh, But, uh, you know, that's the thing with the Guardians is we know they have some pitching. They've got some great young pitching. Um, we're going to see, uh, I think, the, uh, their next game, they're going to throw Zach Plesak. Uh They have today off, um, and they'll pitch on Saturday. Zach Plesak. look, this, this, this Guardians team – has three or four solid young pitchers. The problem is, is I just don't know where the offense is going to come from. They signed Jose Ramirez to a contract extension, so they're going to keep him in Cleveland for a while. Uh, but this is a team that is going to struggle to score runs. And I love Tony Frank, uh, Terry Francona, the manager of the Guardians, but, man, you know, he's going to have to figure out ways to manufacture runs. It's going to have to be a lot of small ball because uh, I just don't know where – uh, the runs are going to come from in this Cleveland Indian lineup. I just don't. Um, you can't make this up. Yesterday was National Beer Day. Now, I personally can't stand beer, but look, I'm in the minority, I believe. Uh, on National Beer Day, Seth Beer, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Seth Beer was the designated hitter for the Arizona Diamondbacks in the game against the Padres last night. And in the ninth inning, Seth Beer 
a three-run bomb in the bottom of the ninth inning. And the Arizona Diamondbacks beat the San Diego Padres 4-2. to It came off of Craig Stamen. Uh, Stamen inherited a mess um, uh, as uh, Suarez came out of the bullpen in the ninth, walked uh, a couple of guys. Uh, Stamen comes on, gives up the bomb, and the Diamondbacks walk it off. Seth Beer on National Beer Day. you got to love it. The Diamondbacks had just three hits in this game. Three. Uh, Christian Walker had one, and uh, who had the other one? I think uh, Carson Kelly. The No, it wasn't Kelly. Who was he? Oh, no, Beer had two hits. He had two of the three hits. And the Diamondbacks went it four to two. Uh, and that overshadowed an absolutely brilliant performance by you, Darvish. I stayed up for the first. Uh, I didn't see the end. It was you know getting late, and it was almost midnight. I stayed up until the seventh inning and uh, because you, Darvish, had a no-hitter through six. So I stayed up until the seventh inning to see if they were going to send Darvish back out. I figured they wouldn't. Darvish was at 92 pitches through six innings, so I was pretty certain they weren't going to, but I was going to stay up just to make sure. But Darvish, six no-hit innings. Now, he did walk four guys, which is why the pitch count was up, but he struck out three, walked four. Uh, but he was great. Um, and Madison Bumgarner got the start for the Diamondbacks. Uh, I believe that was his eighth opening day start and uh, only lasted three innings. Only gave up one hit, but he walked four guys. Pitch count was up at 68 through three innings, uh, so he got the heave-ho. Luke Weaver came on, uh, wasn't very good, but uh, the rest of the bullpen does a good job, and uh, they end up winning this thing 4-2 uh, to two on National Beer Day. You got to love it. Look, the Padres' bullpen is a problem. There's no doubt about that. Craig Stamen, uh, you know, is inconsistent. Uh, so the Padres went out and made a deal yesterday. They traded Chris Paddock, one of their starters, and they have a wealth of starters right now. Now they have uh, some guys that are injured a little bit uh, as they're still waiting for Mike Clevenger to come back. But they decided to trade Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan, uh, one of their bullpen arms, to the Minnesota Twins, and in exchange, the Padres get Taylor Rogers, a an all-star last season. For the uh, Minnesota Twins, uh, he was 2-4 and four with a 3-3-5 ERA. He struck out an average of 13 guys for every nine innings pitch, which was the sixth best uh, among AL relievers last year, 10th best in the major leagues. Uh, he started the season last year as a setup guy for the Twins, uh, and uh, uh, ended up with uh, nine saves in the season. Look, he is a workhorse since 2016. He's got 319 appearances. Uh, that's the uh, uh, fourth in the American League and first among uh, left-handers in the American League. So uh, he was on the injured list for a while last year with a sprain of the middle finger, but he's back and ready to roll. Uh, so that is certainly going to help that Padre bullpen to have Taylor Rogers and Craig Stamen both back there uh, that's a, a a great advantage uh, for uh, Bob Melvin and the San Diego Padres. It is 44 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to get you ready for some Red Sox-Yankees. Uh, Red Sox with some discouraging news yesterday. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 45 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call on a Friday morning. So I mentioned earlier that uh, earlier in the week it was announced that the Red Sox had offered Raphael Devers a contract extension 
that he turned down. Um, and he said it was uh, not at a level that uh, he was willing to consider. Well, then yesterday, word comes down. Uh, Xander Bogarts, during a press conference, announced yesterday that uh, uh, the Red Sox had off- also offered him an extension, which he said he turned down. He said, well, we couldn't get it done. Uh, now, I don't know if this is true because he didn't. He wasn't specific about dollar amounts, but it has been reported, and usually these reports are fairly accurate because uh, you got oh, everybody loves to blab. Uh, what it was in the thirty between thirty and thirty three million dollars a year. If that's true, and Xander Bogarts turned that down, he's foolish. And that's easy for me to say being a Red Sox fan and wanting to see him in a uniform. But when you look, look, Bogey's 29 years old. I get I get it that this is the prime of his career. But when you look at uh, the fact that as a shortstop, while it is a premier position, and he is not a butcher at shortstop, he is certainly uh, in the bottom half, I would say. Perhaps uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit... Uh, uh, too pessimistic about that, but he's probably, you know, uh, in the middle of the pack when it comes to defensive shortstops, as far as defensive metrics and range and all that kind of stuff goes. He's not the worst shortstop in the world, but he is certainly defensively nowhere near be- the best. I mean, he's now got a guy to his left in Trevor Story, who's one of the best. Um, so, uh, you know, he is obviously looking at the kind of money that and, and years that Carlos Correa got from the Minnesota Twins and that he has seen Francisco Lindor sign, uh, you know, and he has looked at, at what Trey Turner is, you know, going to command on, on the open market. And, you know, you look at things like that, and he's saying, and, and unfortunately Scott Boros is his client, uh, and you know Scott Boros is always trying to drive up the, the dollar amounts. When you look at that, it's it's hard to – you know, I mean, I, I get it, I guess, is what I'm saying. But I think, logically, if you're Boros and Bogarts, can you really look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm worth more than that? Is he better than Carlos Correa defensively? I don't think so. Uh, is he better than Francisco Lindor defensively? I don't think so. He's not better than Trey Turner. I mean, look, you just saw, you look at this and, and again, easy for me to say, but I think he may be, if the, if the dollar amounts that have been reported is true, it may not be the it may not be the wisest move. I don't think Xander Bogarts is going to get that on the open market, not as a shortstop. And 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 frankly, if you're not a shortstop, you're not going to command that kind of money anyway. He's not Mike Trout. He's not Shohei Otani. He's not going to command the kind of money that those guys are going to command. You know, and and do I, you know, I think $30 million a year, I still can't believe I'm saying this, but I can't, I think $30 million a year for Bogey is in the ballpark. Look, he signed a very club-friendly deal making $20 bucks a year. That's a very club-friendly deal. There's no question, which is why they gave him the opt-outs. I think $30 million a year would be right in line with, with where he should be. And the reports are that's what it was. And if he turned it down, I don't understand it. And it may just simply be that he is being told by his his agent, Scott Boros, look, we need to test the open market. 
Doesn't mean we won't end up back in Boston, but we need to test the open market. Um, and and look, and if you're the Red Sox, knowing that you have Trevor Story right to his left and that he can easily move over to that shortstop position, I think it's very easy for Red Sox management to say, look, you know, we're going to try our level best to keep you here, but there comes a point where you have to be fiscally responsible. And the question might come down to who is more important to us? Who do we need to spend the money on? Is it, is it Rafi Devers or is it Xander Bogarts? And with Trevor Story in-house, the answer to that may be Rafi Devers is the guy we need to spend the money on. He's four years younger than Bogarts. He has a higher upside than Bogarts. I'm like, look, this is a guy that was, uh, you know, that may have a, a chance to be an MVP in the next couple of years, uh, and we may need to spend our money there, move story to short, because it's easier to find a second baseman than it is uh, a third baseman and already having Trevor Story in-house. So we'll see, you know, and the Red Sox have a lot of decisions to make with their their roster. With Kike Hernandez's his, his contract is up this year. JD Martinez is up. They're not going to bring him back, but his contract is still up. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's a a a Christian Vasquez's contract is up, and with the dearth of catching in Major League Baseball, uh, you know, they're going they may have to to pony up to pay him as well. Um, so they're going to have a lot of decisions to make. Uh, but uh, they may have decided based on that, based on if, if, if the number's right and Bogey turned it down, it may be, look, this is where we're at. Take it or leave it. And if he leaves it, that money's going to Rafi Devers because I think that's where they're going. I think that's where they need to be. I love Xander Bogarts. I'd love to see him stay. Uh, but if I've got a pick between Bogarts and Devers, uh, I hate to say it, but Devers is my guy. Um, one other note, uh, non-baseball related, the uh, Celtics lost last night, 127-121 to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they got a triple-double last night, uh, out of Jalen Brown, 22 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. Um, but they were without Jason Tatum and they were out Al Horford. They sat him out last night because it was, uh, back-to-back games. They beat Chicago the night before. They didn't want to play them on back-to-back games. They're trying to take care of this team as they get ready to go into the playoffs. Uh, And they still almost won a damn game. They lost 127-121. Celtics are still going to be very, very dangerous. It would not shock me if the Celtics are in the NBA Finals against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Phoenix Phoenix is going to beat no matter who they play, but it would not shock me. Uh, the Celtics are certainly good enough, especially if everybody's healthy. Having Robert Williams go down uh, with that knee injury doesn't help, but I still think they've got the roster and the way they've finished up this season uh, to be a very, very dangerous team. Uh, the rest of Major League Baseball will kick it off today. Of course, the Red Sox, as I said, 1 o'clock this afternoon. The other uh, game that's uh, early, uh, the White Sox at Detroit. Uh, it is chilly as hell up in Detroit. That cannot be a lot of fun, and it's not going to be a lot of fun up in New York either. Uh, they had rain. Uh, it's going to be uh, damp. It's going to be chilly. Uh, but uh, welcome to April baseball. Everybody else uh, kicking it off as well. Um, Freddie Freeman will make his debut with the Dodgers today. Of course, Chris Bryant uh, with the Colorado Rockies. Carlos Correa with the Minnesota Twins. So lots of things to watch today. Uh, and one other thing that, to watch today, we will have Rachel Balkovic uh, in the dugout as the first woman to manage uh, a affiliate of a major league team uh, as uh, her
Class A Tampa Tarpons will take on the uh, Lakeland Flying Tigers in the Florida State League today. Uh, Balkovic, 34 years old, the first female manager um, uh, in professional baseball. I, I, I think it's great. I really do. You know, uh, look, I've met a lot of women that know plenty about baseball. Uh, so this is, you know, the, you know, the whole uh, we've gone through the, so much of this with social media, with the, the, the mansplaining thing with sports and women. And, you know, look, those days are long over. I'll tell you what, I, I had a, a friend, a uh, husband and wife uh, back when I lived up in Connecticut. They lived in Massachusetts. Um, and uh, the wife uh, of this couple knew more about hockey than uh, probably had forgotten more about hockey than I ever knew uh, and was just, I mean, a savant. She knew everything and knew stats and numbers. and I mean, just amazing. And I've met women uh, with football that are the same way and baseball the same thing. So I think it is time uh, to, we need to stop thinking about that. I think it's time that we had a woman as a coach in the NBA. There's no reason why a woman can't coach NBA basketball. You know, there isn't. You know, I mean, why is it okay for men to coach women's basketball, but it's not okay for women to coach men's basketball? I think those times are long over. I think that's the uh, the girl dad in me coming out. But uh, Rachel Balkovic will make her uh, debut today, and I'm rooting for her. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We're going to leave you this morning with a Garth Brooks song. He teamed up with uh, George Jones uh, several years ago. And this is in honor of Seth Beer, National Beer Day, and the Arizona Diamondbacks beating the San Diego Padres on Beer's home run in the ninth inning. This is Garth Brooks and George Jones with Beer Run. Have a great day. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.